are listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Yeah, but, uh, appreciate you doing that. And also, if you have any comments, uh, by the way, just, just so you know, is that if, if you write a comment, and, and, and we don't have a name on there, they, they just go into the trash. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It's a, I mean, no, we want to know who wrote it. So, you know, it makes sense. You don't just throw something out there unless you, we don't know where it's from. So we want to know. So <clears throat> uh, do that. And that's uh, just kind of a policy we have around here. But, uh, you know, there's an interesting story of an extraordinary uh, young adult named Aaron. Uh, he earned a degree in mechanical engineering and French. I'm not so sure how those two go together, but... Uh, Maybe he was polyvooing his Francais as he was doing the uh, engineering. But he also had a minor in piano. Uh, he was active in sports, or a resident assistant at his college, uh, studied abroad, and landed an amazing job with Intel as a mechanical engineer. And he was doing quite well. But he loved the outdoors. And so he left his stable job. He left his stable job. Uh, to become an experienced outdoorsman, backpacking and hiking and rock climbing, having a great time. On April 26, 2003, some of you remember this story. Aaron was hiking through Blue John Canyon in eastern canyon country, Utah, part of the Canyonlands National Park. And while he was descending one of those slot canyons, beautiful area there, uh, A suspended border he was climbing down, dislodged, came tumbling down and trapped uh, his right hand against the canyon wall. Aaron had not informed anyone of his hiking plans. Assuming he would die, he spent five days slowly sipping the small amounts of remaining water he had and slowly eating his limited food, two burritos, while trying to extricate his arm. His efforts were futile as he could not free himself from the 800-pound rock. He carved his uh, name and date of birth and presumed date of death in the sandstone canyon wall and videotaped his last goodbyes to his family. He did not expect to survive the night. Yet after waking at dawn the following day, which is Thursday, May 1st, He had an idea to actually cut off the part of his arm that was unmovable. Using a a tourniquet and a dull two-inch blade, through excruciating pain, Aaron worked for hours to amputate his his lodged arm. Once free, he still had to get back to his car. He climbed out of the slot canyon, which he had uh, been trapped in. He rappelled down some 65-foot sheer wall one-handed and then hiked out of the canyon in the hot midday sun. He was eight miles from his vehicle and no phone. However, while hiking out of the canyon, he encountered a family, a family vacationing from Norway. Um, They gave him food and, and, and water and then hurried to alert the authorities who took Aaron to the hospital. And though we don't know if Aaron Ralston ever found faith, we did learn, he did learn some valuable lessons of life. And today, he is a motivational speaker and author, encouraging people not to go life alone. Learned a hard lesson that way. 
that love is worth living for. Actually, while he was down in that trench videotaping himself, he remembered his family and the love he had for his family and he wanted to live. And that pain and sacrifice are part of life's journey and we're to share what we learn. And that's like his powerful story. And though not as dramatic as cutting off your arm, there's another powerful story of a follower of Jesus that though his sacrifice was not outwardly disfiguring, the impact was much the same with life lessons and powerful stories that God has used and is using to this day to bring people to faith and grow in their relationship with Christ. It's a story of Matthew or Levi, one of Jesus' disciples, the author of the Bible book we're going to be studying for this year. And though Matthew tells incredible stories of Jesus, who he is, what Jesus has done, the kingdom of God, which we're going to be studying next Sunday and on through the summer. So you look at Matthew 13 at the kingdom of God and that we can have it now and in the future. Matthew also writes how we are to live in faith and how not to go it alone, to initiate and to, to get involved in those interactive connections with fellow Christians that cause one another to thrive as followers of Jesus, also known as discipling relationships. And all year we'll be learning from the Bible book of Matthew. But this morning we're going to be looking at the powerful story of Matthew the person. We're going to be looking and exploring just two verses, but discovering three truths to grow in faith and foster quality discipling relationships. And so if you wouldn't mind setting your books aside a second, stand up, let's pray and ask God to teach us something this morning from Matthew's incredible story. Father, I thank you for bringing us here on this uh, hot morning, uh, Lord. But I thank you for the air conditioning. I thank you for the joy of singing songs about you and seeing those baptisms once again and just exciting about the life change that you allow us to be part of. Lord, we want to grow in faith. That's why we're here. And Lord, we know that one of your methods of growth is through this thing called discipleship, and Matthew had it wired. So Lord, help us to learn from him. And help us to learn from his story this morning. May even challenge each one of us with something this morning, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat and take out your note page. Uh, hopefully you've got it down there. The, uh, there'll be blanks there. The answers are filling, will be filled in the screen. And please write down the extra verses. You're going to want to study those later on as you look through this. Um, but uh, uh, three truths to grow in faith and foster quality discipling relationships. The first truth that can help us in our faith and help us have a great discipling relationships is that is to know that Jesus loves everyone. So take your Bible if you haven't already done that. Open up to Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. Now you can read the context of, of of Matthew chapter nine later on about where he was and what he was doing. But he encounters somebody in verse nine. Listen to what happens as Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. What's interesting is this first part. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man. Jesus saw a man. He saw a person. Not a problem. Not a position. Not a prospect. Not a past. But a person. When Jesus looks at us, he sees us. He sees an individual. He sees a person. He does not look like he's disappointed or, or a harsh boss. 
It's with incredible compassion. Matter of fact, just, just, just flip down a few pages to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Look at how Jesus sees people. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. And when he saw the crowds, he was sorely disappointed because they didn't want to follow him. It doesn't say that. <laughs> it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, with love in his eyes, looks at us. And he sees us because he's God. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. He knows our hurts. He knows our issues. Even though you think it's a secret, Jesus knows. He knows each one of us. He knows our true self. He knows our full potential. That's the truth. You see, too much we shy away from the Lord and his way of life because we're ashamed. Because we constantly mess up. At least, I don't know if you do. I know I do. <laughs> we feel like we've blown it too bad or that since we can't be that super believer, you know, who play, prays with such eloquence, uh, we give up or we stay away. Or maybe we feel inadequate because we feel our problems are too big or that we keep stepping into problems or we're in one right now or, or our disabilities are too much. So all we're capable of is to stand on the fringe of faith. And that's simply not true. Jesus loves us all the same regardless of our issues. Now I know that I struggle with this. Because I know myself. (laughs) And believe me, growing up in the family that I was, as always the second, and always just not quite right. Mike, what's wrong with you? I remember teachers would, you know, yeah, I still have their comments. <laughs> My mom saved them for some reason. <laughs> Mike is just too much. Mike can never, sh- they wanted to say shut up, but they can't say it. Could never stop talking. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I struggled. I struggled with some learning disabilities. And so I was put in remedial classes and felt like an idiot. And told my life I was not quite as good as someone else. And so when I come to faith, I, I hear those voices in my head and I feel like, gosh, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just not that great. I, I guess I, I'm just lucky to be kind of inside the door, kind of just wall, you know, up against the wall, just kind of hoping I'm inside the room just enough to make it. And I don't know if you feel that way sometimes in faith, but just because all of life tends to pull us down and to tear us down. And our past and our dealing with our own issues and our struggles and the stuff that we step into. But God's word says that we're loved. That's why some of these passages are my favorite. Psalm 139. See, I'm not a mistake. God, in his sovereignty, put me together cell by cell. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 says. Man, that is just, that is like a, a, a cool drink on a hot day to my soul. To know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are too. 
Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, God says. He has never stopped, will never stop, always constant be loving us. No matter what we do, no matter what we go through, no matter what sin we step in, his love is constant. And I love what it says in the last part of that verse. It says, we are drawn with his loving kindness. That's the Hebrew word chesed. That's a never-ending, always constant love of loving kindness that is always there, never stops, keeps moving and moving and moving. God never stops loving us. And he's drawn us with that love, saying, you want that love that's everlasting, that love is always there, then come to me. And we're to be there. In Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, God says through Isaiah, I have chosen you and not rejected you. And I've protected you with my righteous right hand. We have God, our protector, walking through life with us. Don't listen to the lie that you're unworthy, unlovable, worthless. It's easy to feel. And that may have been just what Matthew was feeling. Because Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were the, 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 uh, the dregs of society. Everybody, most everybody hated them, except for fellow tax collectors and those who, who benefited from their money. <laughs> they were despised because the Roman government said, look, tax collector, you give us so much and whatever you want to add to that, that's fine. If you want to double it, triple it, we don't care. We just want to get our cut. And we're actually going to give you the Roman army to be your strongman, to be able to use however you want to shake the people out and get their money. And so they would skim off the top more and more and more so they could build their lavish houses and have fun parties and enjoy life to the, to the fullest because they, off of the backs of other people. And so they were despised. But if that was not enough, Matthew betrayed his own countrymen. For Matthew was a Hebrew, referred to as Levi in Mark and Luke's account of this story. And the, the references in your notes there, where, where that is. Matthew was from the tribe of Levi. They knew, this tribe knew the Levitical law. A, a tribe of priests set aside to focus on God and to lead others to God. That was Matthew's heritage. That's what he was taught from family to family, to be that one who would draw people into God's presence. Instead, here's Levi, Matthew, cheating and causing great hardship on his own right there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. People did not like Matthew. Can you imagine what it's like to be sneered at and spit at and to be dreaded as people walked by your booth every day? And yet Jesus stops and looks at Matthew and says, follow me. See, Matthew was far from perfect. He didn't have it all wired. He hadn't got himself all together. Well, you know, I'll follow you, God, when I have it all together. (laughs) Truth is, we're never going to have it all together. Just from where we are, God says to us, follow us, and we're to jump up and leave and to move and to follow him. But what about you? Are you willing to follow him? Now, Matthew most likely had heard of the teachings of Jesus. He heard the message of Jesus that, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and others were whispering, hey, I think he's the Messiah. 
And Matthew would have known exactly what that meant, that he was the Savior, the one who would come and, and restore Jerusalem, destroy, destroy the Roman Empire maybe, and, 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 and come along and bring up the, the, the Israeli uh, kingdom once again and be that perfect king. Matthew had learned about that all through the Old Testament and, and, and looking forward to that and wondered if Jesus was the Messiah and maybe he would see him and, and then now he comes in front of him and says, follow me. What about you? Maybe it's time to respond to Jesus and to stop living on the fringe of faith and step into that close relationship with Jesus like Matthew. Because Jesus loves everyone. That's the base in which discipleship relationships are built. Jesus said in John 13, 34, As I have loved you, so you love one another. So follow Jesus and connect to fellow believers have that connection with them and to love them as Christ loves you because Jesus loves everyone. But this following of Jesus means the the second truth. We're to give Jesus everything. Look again at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 again. Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed Jesus. In all three accounts of this, it says Matthew, Levi, got up and followed Jesus. In Luke's account, it says he left, left everything. Now you've got to understand that Matthew built his whole life on being a tax collector. And by uh, cheating off of that to take money for himself, to build his nice home, to have all that he had, his whole life was surrounded by this idea of tax collecting. This idea of cheating people out of their money. This idea of asking for more. And when he needed a new pool in his house, let me ask a few more taxes. When he needed a, a new chariot to drive, new, you know, new wheels on that, the cool rims on his chariot, he would ask for more money and use the Roman government, the Roman army, to come and shake it out of the people. Matthew's whole life was built around that. It's like an 800-pound Boulder stuck to his arm. He was stuck to this lifestyle. And for Matthew to get up and to follow Jesus as much as to cut off his arm. And that's what he did. He gave up everything. It was clear Matthew was making a choice. A choice to follow Jesus, to give him all of himself. It was a total commitment it's, it, it's like a, well, you know that game, that game, uh, uh, follow the leader. Here, I need your help. Here, I'm going to follow you. Mark, Mark, you follow me as I follow him. Okay, so just, just do, we're just going to do what you do. Okay, so, oh, oh, we're going to go this way. Okay, just wherever you want to go. Okay. Oh, we're going to go up on the stage. Yeah. Mm. Now, I don't want to go that way anymore. See, that's the problem with, that's the, that's the problem with the game, follow the leader, right? Someone says, no, I want to be the leader now. And so we lead people. You guys can go back. Thanks, you guys. That's the problem with that game, isn't it? When you're kids and you play follow the leader, sooner or later someone says, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do I want to be the leader. And so you say, okay, you guys come with me now. And there's a big struggle of that. Or, or, or you don't want to do what that person did. They're jumping over the rock. I don't want to jump over the rock. I want to go around the rock. It's the same with Jesus. 
He's the leader. You know, it's, this, this Christian life is really not that complicated. It simply is do what Jesus did. Follow the leader. If he says jump, you say how high and when. If Jesus says be kind to strangers, what does that mean? Be kind to strangers. If Jesus says be generous, then what should we do? If Jesus says to, to uh, uh, follow the Father, then what should we do? It's that simple. <laughs> Somehow we think that there's just got to be another way. Because we want our way. We, wanna, we want to be the leader. We want to follow ourselves. We want to be the one who makes the decisions where we go. Instead of following Jesus. It's like the, you know... Doesn't the Bible say narrow is the way that leads to salvation? Broad is the road that leads to destruction? We just want another way. Oh, come on. Can't there be another way? Maybe there's a middle way. Didn't Jesus say somewhere, I am the way, the truth, and the life? You know what the early Christians were called? They weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. Because it reminded them that Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we should follow him. Do what he says. And that means to give up everything of ourself and follow him. But he has such a promise with that. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus on the throne, Matthew 6, 33, everything in life will fall into its place. It's his way we should go after. We should follow him and do what he says. Jesus' way is the right way. And even if it means cutting off our arm. Some of you know that verse. If your arm causes you to sin, if your eye causes you... But Jesus' way is good. It's a way of of love of of God and others, as Matthew 22, verses 37 and 39 says. Jesus' way is a, a way that's selfless and sacrificial, as John 15, 13 said. Jesus' way is a way of serving God's purposes, as John... 434 says, Jesus, you know, in that verse he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. See, Matthew had abandoned his faith in God's way of life. And now he was stealing and exploiting his fellow countrymen along with everybody else. And somewhere along the line, he departed from faith. Maybe busyness set in. He stopped seeking God stopped being involved, went after power, prestige, or money. He stopped learning, and he stopped teaching. See, see, we need to understand that there's a reason why God says, write down Deuteronomy chapter 6, somewhere around verse 4 through 6-ish. It talks about how that we, what we learn from God, we're to teach it to our kids and other people. When we walk by the way, when we stand up, when we sit down, to talk about the promises of God. We always need to be teaching, and we always need to be being taught. It's that idea that helps keep us moving the right direction, and that's what discipling relationships are all about. And though we may think we're not that bad as Matthew, we struggle with Jesus' way. Being generous, loving our neighbor, seeking first Christ. And there was no doubt that Matthew had, was hearing the teaching of Jesus and was moved. He got up and gave Jesus everything. The question is, what about you? It's that total abandonment to give God everything. Maybe it's time to get up and really follow the narrow road of Jesus. It's okay that it's narrow. It's the best road out there. 
Jesus sacrificed much for you. Why would we not give up and get up and give Jesus everything and follow him? And as this following of Jesus goes on, we are to say to others, as Paul did from 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's discipleship. So to grow in faith, to foster discipling relationships, we need to know that Jesus loves everyone, that we are to give Jesus everything. But it also means we need to share Jesus everywhere. Look at verse 10 of Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Come on, there we go. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Luke says it was a banquet in his account. A banquet Matthew held for Jesus. So taken by Jesus' love and grace and teachings and story, Matthew could not wait to share it with others, with his circle of influence, and so he threw a party. Now, as you read on, you can read on, the the Pharisees were a little bummed about that. (laughs) Why why are you hanging out with sinners? (laughs) Jesus goes, don't sinners need saving? So so you read the rest of the the chapter and you'll see what they're talking about. But we're to be witnesses. Um, Some of you remember this verse, Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And a lot of times we use that as a, as a great a missionary verse, you know, that we're to, to move out in with the gospel and tell people about Jesus. And that's very true. But you also have to realize that these were um, Jewish believers in Christ. So to go to Jerusalem and tell Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah, hmm, that got Jesus killed. Boy, that's got to be pretty rough. See, when it's saying, go therefore and, 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 and to be my witnesses, it's to the difficult parts of ta- town. Samaria was the same way. Samaria was very difficult. They were Jew haters, whether you're Christian or not. So you go to Samaria, the other most parts of the world, the world was dangerous at that time. In other words, we're to be witnesses in difficult places of life, like your family. <laughs> Sometimes the hardest place to share Jesus is with your family. But God calls us to go and be witnesses. And witnesses means to show with your lifestyle what a Christian is like. Kind, considerate, at peace, helpful, forgiving. Ooh, yes, forgiving. (laughs) Not saying nasty, mean comments. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. But only such a word as word for building up and not tearing down. That through their example, they would go, wow, man, something's changed in you. What is it? And then to be ready to share. But we're to be witnesses and then to share our testimony. Last week, and I know last week's service was long, so I figured I would go, you know, half as much this time. (laughs) So we'll be here a couple hours. Josh wasn't kidding. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But last Sunday was amazing. And what was amazing about it was just the, I mean, not only the, the worship and the, the, uh, the, the great preaching, but uh, the, uh, um, the testimonies were just amazing. And I was watching uh, um, Liz Logambardi. Is Liz here this morning? I don't see her. Liz was sitting up front because her daughter and granddaughter were being baptized. And the reason they came to faith was because Liz got up. 
and started to follow Jesus. I remember when it happened years ago, something moved in her, and I don't know whether it was a Sunday morning or whatever it was, but something moved in her, and she goes, I want to follow Jesus. She began to share her faith, not only with some single moms, but also with her family, and now her her daughter and her granddaughter are being baptized. How amazing is that? I also was uh, thinking of of Gabby and and her friends that uh, were there uh, sharing Christ with uh, Juhi and, and uh, uh, she, uh, from a Hindu background, shared how she had found Christ because uh, her high school friend had the guts to be able to invite her to an event where Jesus was going to be talked about. How amazing is that? See, we're to, to, to share Jesus everywhere. I know that uh, I found faith in Jesus because a friend had the guts to share Jesus with me. And my life was forever changed. You know, when we, when we find a great restaurant, when we, when we see an awesome movie or find a great deal, we can't shut up about it. We brag about it. We tell others about it. We take people there. Why not Jesus? Matthew did. We're encouraged in 1 Peter 3.15. Write down that verse and, and look it up later. But look at what it says. It says, but in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord. What that means is to mean put Christ central in your life. Uh, Follow the leader. Put him as the leader of your life and set him up in that way. Put Christ in your hearts as the leader. Follow him and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When when you live life and follow the leader, people are going to look at you and go, why did you do that? How did you be kind like that? How come you're different when you counter trials? How is it that you have hope in this midst of this struggle that you're going through? Give them the answer. So in other words, know the gospel, the, the truth of the gospel, that we're sinful and need a Savior, and then it's Jesus, and just turn to him. It's that simple. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's so important. Don't cram it down someone's throat. i got to get the gospel out. Ah! And we just you know, throw the Bible at him. Here, read this. No, but with gentleness and respect. Matthew threw a party knowing that people would come. And he introduced Jesus. We should do the same. Matthew wrote so people would know the hope he found and to encourage this interactive connection with fellow Christians that cause one another to thrive as followers of Jesus, also known as discipleship. We're to share Jesus as we go. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it says, go therefore, therefore go. That word go is written in the tense where it says, as you are going, as you are going through life, share Jesus, talk about Jesus, and link up with others in discipling relationships. Last week I had these available. Some of you didn't pick one up as a reminder, so I encourage you to do that today. But it's a little link, and we're like a little link in that uh, there's someone to link to and someone to link on the other side that we should be learning from someone and we should be teaching someone, that's discipleship. And I encourage you after the service, grab one of these as a reminder that, that you need to be involved in a discipling relationship somewhere. You need to be learning from somebody and you need to be teaching someone. Oh, maybe it's in a group, maybe it's one-on-one, whatever it is, to be involved in that. And, and, and this year, my hope is that each one of us will be involved in those relationships teaching someone and learning from somebody in that. So I encourage you to pick one of these up 
at the end of the service today, but our story may not be as dramatic as Aaron Ralston, who cut off his arm to save his life, or may not be as intense as Matthew, who figuratively cut off his arm, leaving a lucrative career, but we have a story, a powerful story meant to be shared with others, where we learn from others and where we help others learn and grow in faith. To grow in faith and foster discipling relationship takes knowing Jesus loves everyone and that we are to give Jesus everything as well to share Jesus everywhere. The question is, will you? Would you pray with me? Father, as our heads bowed and eyes closed and we're thinking about Matthew and what he gave up for you, Lord, um, and how he followed you, help us. Help us to, to seek you with all of our heart, to follow the leader, you, not try to find our own way. And Lord, help us to, along the way, because we, we mess up, but help us to know that you love us dearly and help us to share it with others, we pray in your son's name. Amen.